0: But people don't like change. I want to talk about that today, because sometimes we wonder, what's going on with my life? I need a change. Well, maybe you need a change before God will change the situation. But some people just don't like change. They'll fight it. They won't adjust to it. I tell you how silly we are about changes. Last year, sometime, I went to the barber and I said, "Just I want something new. Do something new." So because uh, you know, I've had this same do since the '80s. The 70s. Anyway, I said, do something new. So, you know, he, he did something new and I came to church. And, you know, people told me what they thought about it. And that was okay. But, you know, I took the cookie. was Some, some lady went to the barber and told the barber, I hate what you did in my pastor's hair.
1: <laughs>
0: now, I mean, it's one thing to say, Pastor, I don't like your hair like that. Okay, I understand. That's fine. But to go to the barber and tell the barber... I hate what you did to the pastor's hair. I mean, how many know that? That means I just don't like change. And, and, you know, when changes come, I'm going to find somebody to complain to. I just don't like that. I don't like the way it's changing. What is this? Men. And Guy's a real man. I'll let y'all know Guy's a real man. He's a commander of the Royal Rangers. Uh, he, I mean, he's a hunter, fisherman. I mean, you name it. That's Brother Guy. But how do you know, a few years ago, guys wouldn't wear pink. But how do you know, pink's in. And it looks good on guys. Real men, it takes a real man to wear pink. I got a pink tie and I haven't worn it in a year. I wore it one time and heard too much about it, so I put it in the closet. I'm not wearing that anymore. But how do you know, every change comes along because every season has its fruit. You may be saying, you know, I'm in a season right now, I don't know what's going on, but it's got its fruit. You're going into a new change. It's got, it has its fruit. And so we see here that we need to see, do I want to change? Do I need to change? And am I ready for change? You know, the Lord says, I'm the Lord God, I change not. But how many of you know, He's the one who put change in emotions. He says as long as the earth is here, there's going to be seed time and harvest time. There's going to be the seasons, there's different seasons that are going to come. But every season has its time. The book of Song of Solomon, I'm just going to read this to you. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 11 says, For lo, the winter is past. Winter speaks of barrenness, brokenness, dormant, waiting. The winter is past. Aren't you glad when winter passes? And verse 12 says, The flowers appear. Spring flowers, one translation says. That's why I'm preaching on spring fever. Spring speaks of new beginnings, revival, fresh start, renewal, re- uh, regeneration and refreshing. And then it goes on to say in verse 12, the time of singing has come. The time, look at you and say, the time of singing has come. And it goes on to say in verse 12, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. You know, how many of you know the turtle dove represents peace? And you know, one reason I'm, to be, I'm preaching on this too is because if you watch TV, the politicians are standing up and they have hope and change everywhere. They're all talking about hope and they're all talking about change. But the Lord reminded me, I was listening to one of them talk about hope and change one day and they're all talking it, and the Lord reminded me, can a leopard change its spots? Neither can a person who does evil change himself. And, you know, the only way we're going to hear peace in our land, listen, our faith is not in that the government's going to change this country. It's the people that's going to change this country. We are the people of this country. And, you know, the government can say all they want to, change and hope. Change and hope. But the only hope is in Christ Jesus. The only change can only come about through the Holy Spirit. In December the 10th, uh, Brother Chuck prophesied that all eights, which were in 2008, are linked with new beginnings. He prophesied that we are entering into a new phase of ministry, a new dimension of the prayer movement. And the next turn will be a movement of divine healing. How many of you receive that? And, and this was something that he said that was so good. In the midst of confusion around you, don't waver at what I'm telling you. This year means the intensity of war. It means the war to end an old season and to start anew. Everything and the enemy wants to stop the movement this year. Eight means new beginnings. It means to step forward. It's a year of manifestation to transcend all limitations. It means dominion is a key word this year. To rule from your positions. But listen to this. I just read this again the other day. And I love when I came up to this part where it says... You will be in intensified warfare this year, but there will be a turning come the month of April. How many know what month we're in? How many have been in an intense war? Come on. How many have been battling this year? I mean, you look around the church, you look around the community. Man, there has been some battles, there has been some changes going on. But he said there was going to be a shift and a change come the month of April. Well, thank God. I thank God I've made it to the month of April. And I'm ready to see the change. I'm glad you and I did not quit. Amen. And the last thing he said was uh, in this prophecy was, uncover the glory blockers. And so I started praying, uncover the glory blockers. And how many of you know... One of the things he told me, he says, one of the biggest glory blockers that there is, is my people do not want to change and adjust to the flow of my spirit. You know, we're a people of habit. We don't want to change. We don't want to see changes happen. You know, I mean, we, we see the music's changing and things are changing. The, the decor's changing. There's so many changes going on. And many times, you know, I was with a pastor not long ago and uh, we were in some big old cathedral and he they had pipe organs. And he says, man, I wonder how much it would cost me to put those in my church. Well, you know, it may not be the time to put pipe organs in your church. You know, things have changed. We got drums in the church now. We got steel guitars and electric guitars and bass guitars, key, double keyboards. I mean, we got some wild stuff going on. We got people playing tambourines and running around with flags and dancing and shouting before God. This is a new age. How you many know? It's kind of hard to dance to pipe organ.
1: <laughs> Beep, boop, boop. <laughs>
0: you know, it's kind of hard to dance to a pipe organ. But the book of Acts says that in the last days, I'm going to restore the tabernacle of David which is the tabernacle where all the instruments and people got into worship and praise to magnify the Lord. Amen? But listen, you're here today, me too. Lord, I just expect a change in my finances. Hallelujah. He says, okay, change the way you're spending. Lord, I expect... A change in my physical body. I've been believing you for a healing, so I expect a change in my body. I'm going to get prayed for today, and I'm leaving there healed. And he says, i got a word for you. Yes, I'm the healer of the Lord. No, change your diet. (laughs) Exercise. No, 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 no. I want a miracle. He says, your miracle will come through your change. Your finances will come through the change of how you spend the money and cutting up some credit cards. Lord, change my wife. He goes, after I change you. Change my husband. After I change you. You know, we want God to change it. And we're expecting and thank God for changes. But hey, what areas are we willing to change in? What changes are we willing to go through? Can I hear an amen? amen. I want to change in my marriage. We'll change the way you're communicating. I'm telling you, I've been married 25 and a half years it took me years to find out how to communicate, and I'm still learning how to communicate with her, and her learning how to communicate with me. Things change when we change. I went years expecting her to change. I was hard in one area. Not one, um, I was expecting her to change. I used to throw books and tapes on the bed at her. I said, "Babe, you need to listen to that tape, and you need to submit." And I throw her books to tell this and the other. Till one day, God spoke to me. I was outside working on that blue vehicle, and the Lord spoke to me, and He says, "Who's your head?" I said, well, you are, Lord. He says, well, who's your wife Head. I said, well, I am. He says, okay, you need to repent to me. But before you repent to me, you need to go repent to her for the way you just spoke to her. So I went in there and repented to her. And then Then God could hear me and I repented to him. And then slowly changes started happening. I wanted to honor the doctors today because I was raised in the 70s where doctors were of the devil. And we had people dying left and right, but we were still preaching. Doctors were of the devil. And I traveled through Mexico for the first time for six days. And boy, I was going all wild. And uh, we had a doctor traveling in another vehicle with us. We were six vehicles in a convoy. And boy, I, him and I, we had, we had battles of, with the Word of God all through Mexico. He was saying, but doctors are of God. No, doctor, faith is what we need. And boy, I mean, I was standing on faith and he was talking about this and that and the other and, and we were going back and forth. Well, on the sixth day when we got to Belize, I got sick with fever. And I fought it for days, and I listened to the tapes, and I made my confessions, and I walked by faith, and I would just get higher and higher fever. I had malaria and didn't know it. And finally, after weeks, I finally said, Baby, load me up in the vehicle and drive me to Dr. John's uh, hut. And she brought me there, and they, they carried me in there and laid me down on a table. And Dr. John was just smiling from face to face. And he had to give me a shot. And he went and got that shot. And he came and gave me a shot in a certain place. And he's just standing above me, smiling real big. And I know he wanted to make it hurt. He put that shot in there. And he didn't even start squeezing right away. He's just too busy enjoying the moment. Where's your faith now, little preacher? And he just slowly, just slowly started putting in there in a whole hurry. Uh Uh-uh, I'm enjoying this. I changed. Thank God for doctors and dentists. Man, knowing what happens to people with pride, I'd be up here preaching with no teeth. And still malaria. God healed me of malaria, but... Thank God. But we've got to be ready for changes. Amen. And so change will, will change the way we, we live in this life. Look with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Oh, now I know God's a healer. I, have, I still walk through things and walk by faith. I know God heals. But I also know God also uses doctors and medicine. And He gave them the wisdom. And they have a ministry of mercy. And I thank God for them. How many of you wouldn't be here today? How many of you believe in change? You know, you ask some people, do you remember what color was your original hair color? <laughs> I mean, I've, you know I've had people tell me I don't even remember you know I've changed it so many times. I married a brunette. I tell you how change operates. When we lived in, in, in Central America, my wife had to fly back home, and she got a perm, changed her hair doing all that, got a perm, came back to Central America, and I had to do some paperwork. And I was sitting behind the desk and finally the policeman, he couldn't take it no more. He says, I hate to ask you this question, but he says, aren't you a missionary? I said, yeah. He says, well, isn't it against your religion to divorce? I said, well, yeah. He says, well, how can you get another wife? I said, I didn't get another wife. It's the same one. She just got a new look. Oh, she said the whole village is talking about the missionary who's only been here a few months. The whole village is talking about the missionary who got a whole new wife. Why? All she did was change her hair, and all of a sudden, I got married again. <laughs> changes. How many are thankful for changes? But we don't want changes. But look what Second Corinthians chapter three, verse seventeen says: For the Lord is the Spirit. Now, right there, the Lord is the Spirit you got to expect change when you're talking about the Holy Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Or in other words, the Spirit says, go right, you go right. Go left, you go left. Change, you change. Because there's freedom. You, can, you, you cannot put the Holy Spirit in bondage. So all of us who have had the veil removed and can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord who is the Spirit... Makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Now I'm reading out of the Living Bible here. Say that with me, changed. changed. Say it again, changed. changed. Changed into His glorious image. I need to be changed. I have to be changed. There's things in my mind, things I used to believe, things I believe that have to change. So I have to get the mind of the Lord and what the Spirit says about this. Now, the word change there is the word where we get the word "metamorphos." And listen to this. The word change there, "metamorphos," means change of condition. Change of condition. And listen to this. It means an invisible process An invisible process that takes place or begins. An invisible process which takes place or begins. Now how many of you know? You can't see it. It's asleep right now. I don't think it's dead. I got a caterpillar in here, but it's not moving. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. Pepe woke up. Okay. So here I have a caterpillar. And it's still just a, a caterpillar and a worm. And you know, that caterpillar, how I many of you know one day it's going to have wings and it's going to have a different color and it's going to be totally changed. But this caterpillar, I can show him a book on caterp- on, that, on butterflies and say, listen, I want you to change right now. How many of that caterpillar can do all the straining it wants to do. It can walk around that cage. It can get on this little stick, I put it, and it can jump off and it's going to fall. Why? Metamorphosis means the process of change. There's some of us, we hate ourselves because we want to be different right now. But he says, as you behold the Word of the Lord, there is a process of being changed. You may have been beating yourself up just yesterday or this morning... Man, I did it again. I'm still doing that. I'm still putting my foot in my mouth. I'm still saying things I shouldn't. I did this. I did that. You may say, I did something this weekend I shouldn't have. You are in a process of change. And as long as you are willing to change, when you behold the Word of God, when you meditate upon His Word day and night, when you keep the Word of God before you, you, are like, you start off looking like a worm. But thank God, you're going to change into a butterfly. Amen. But it's a process of condition. Husbands and wives, you can't expect each other to be changed from one day to the other. You know what happens to people? They come to a new church and they said, well, we'll give this church a chance. And if things don't change, we'll go to another church. And if things don't change, we'll go to another church. And what I found out, and I'll be totally honest with you, it's not so much that the church is going to change you, it's a personal encounter with the Spirit of the Lord that is going to change you into the image. Because if a church can change you, you'll be in the image of the church. That's what's wrong with America. It's not about changing you into the image of the church. It's about changing you into the image of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But we got to be willing to change. But so many don't want to. Metamorphosis. He doesn't have to change because he wants to, or he doesn't change because he wants to so bad. It's a process. And so we need the grace of God. How I mean, you know We can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. And he says, with the Spirit of the Lord, there's a cooperation with the process. Let's hear say, cooperation. Cooperation with the process. Yielding to the Word of God. Being in church. Being in discipleship. You know, you may even need to change. You know, some people... You know, there's some people... You may be here today. You might be used to being in church for an hour. And I, and I believe that because I can tell somebody already... Some people are ready to go because you've been here an hour and 20 minutes already. You may be in church. We do 20 minutes of worship. 20 minutes of a message, an altar call, and we go home. You may be used to that. But maybe you're ready to get hungry get in a change. You may be saying, I'm ready for something different. And you may be hearing this message today, and it may be a simple message. But the truth of the matter is, you've been looking for a change, and the change has to start with you. This bug wasn't born a butterfly. It was born a bug to go through metamorphosis, which you and I have to go through in the Spirit, because it's in the Word of God there in Corinthians. So that we can experience the change. Somebody said, some people continue to change jobs, mates, and friends, but never think about changing themselves. You ever met people? Well, y'all still friends with so-and-so? Oh, no, boy, they did us this and that and the other. Hey, well, how about the other couple y'all were friends with? Oh, no, man, we're not friends with them anymore. Don't even talk to them. Well, well, well. how's your brother? Man, don't know. I'm not talking to him anymore. You know, some people, hey, how's your wife and kids? I don't know. She's remarried and they got a new stepdad. I mean, you talk to people. There are changes all the time. And it's always everybody's fault. But my fault. Changes. It's quiet in here. Listen to this. Everybody is in favor of progress, but it's the change they don't like everybody's in favor and progress. You know, we started out with just about 8 people, sometimes 12 people. Then we grew to 40. Then we grew to 100. And then 120, 180. Moved into a new building. Some people thought we were too big when we were 140, 180. And, and they, they didn't move with us. Then we moved to another building. And people said, I wish I would have left then. And then we got new people. And then we bought this land and we moved here. And, and it's been all kind of different things back and forth and people. And when I talk to those people, they're not going where they went to then. Oh, hallelujah, boy, God has brought me to the church I belong to. Well, praise God. I thank God for it. But then I talk to them again. They're not in that church anymore either. They're a perfect church. Church changed on
1: them.
0: <laughs> Hello, church! <laughs> there have been many changes for the better in recent years, and some people have been against all of them. Now, I, I want i want to talk religion here a minute. How many have you ever met or seen King James only? I preach for the King James, too. And the New King James, and I preach from over 20-something translations too. But how many of you know some people, King James is the only one? How many ever heard that? Well, listen to this. When the King James Version of the Bible was issued in 1611, it was widely criticized and rejected by the church. Archbishop Richard Bancroft said, Tell His Majesty that I'd rather be rent in pieces with wild horses than to have this translation urged upon the poor churches. In 1611, we don't want the King James Bible. I'd rather be rid of pork by horses. Now you got people saying, I'd rather be rid of pork in horses and cut up with a machete than go to a church that doesn't preach out the King James Bible. They fought to get it in. Now they fight to get it out. Now listen to this. How many of you love Benny Hinn and Billy Graham and all these great open air evangelists? Listen to this. After the evangelist George Whitfield in 1714 began preaching in the open air near London, he attended the morning service at Christ Church and found himself the object of the sermon. The preaching Reverend Dr. Joseph Trapp, one of London's most known clergy, denounced the evangelist activities, ridiculed his writings, and accused him of dishonesty. The attack confirmed Whitfield in his belief that he could expect nothing but opposition from the church and that God was thrusting him into the fields. Can you imagine if he would have listened to man and quit having open-air meetings? Billy Graham may not have done what he's done in open-air meetings. Benny Hinn, Right Hard Bunky, who has the millions coming. Listen to this. How many of you know, oh, this church doesn't have hymn books. <laughs> this church, they sing some weird songs on a big screen TV. And they don't sing out of hymnals. Blasphemy. Listen to this. When Isaac Watts was growing in England, his Puritan father caught him on the carpet for his participation in congregational singing. According to the common practice, the clerk would read from the psalm line by line with the congregation reading with him in the psalms. Young Watts told his father that there was no music in the psalms and furthermore, they didn't rhyme. Old deacon Watts, outraged, suggested that Isaac write his own songs if he thought he was smarter than King David. He did. Not everyone was happy replacing the book of Psalms with hymns. Typical was this incident. When the first assembly of the Presbyterian Church in the United States of America met at Philadelphia's Second Presbyterian Church in May of 1792, Reverend Adam Rankin was granted permission to speak. I have ridden on horseback all the way from my home in Kentucky, he said to ask this body to refuse to allow the great era of adopting the hymn books in public worship versus the Psalms of David, 1789. Hymn books are of the devil. Let's don't let it in the church. Now the church.
1: Let's don't let it out
0: the church. Let's don't think that we could sing choruses and hymns and spiritual songs unto the Lord. How many of you have ever heard of Sunday school? Nobody wants to raise their hand anymore. (laughs) When Robert Wright started Sunday school movement, the Archbishop of Canterbury called together the bishops to see what could be done to stop him. For he said, this is a violation of Exodus 20, verse 8. In the late 1700s, Sunday school societies were started here and throughout the young United States of America. But at first, many members of the church opposed them. Maintaining that it is blasphemy to have school on Sunday. The pastor in Connecticut said of a class held in his church on Sunday, You imps of Satan, doing the devil works, I'll kick you out on the street. Sunday school. I'm not against Sunday school. We have it. But boy, some people... They don't ask me what I, sometimes when they want to come to church, they don't ask me what I believe in. They don't ask me who's my covering. They don't ask me my background. First question, do y'all have an adult Sunday school? Do y'all have children's Sunday school? Sunday school, that's having church. And when it was first started, he says, I'll kick it out on the streets. They're imps of Satan. How many have ever had anesthesia? to be operated on listen to this imagine surgery every day before anesthesia patients were strapped down while scalpel or saw cut through tissue and bone every slice and turn of the knife causing unimaginable pain one christian physician determined to do something about it sir young simpson 1811 practiced medicine in Scotland, and he dreamed of finding a way of putting patients to sleep during surgery. He was attacked by fellow Christians and the church who claimed that pain was a God-ordained part of life. Freedom from pain comes only in heaven. And it's immoral to devise dangerous ways of escaping it on earth. Well, how many would have liked to put a scalpel on that guy without
1: anesthesia?
0: <laughs> anesthesia is of the devil. God wants us to hurt. Just keep sawing that leg off. So this guy says, well, that's what I get from the church, so I'm going to go seek the Spirit of the Lord about it. But it's quiet in here today. He went and sought the Scriptures, and he read, and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in the place. And carefully studying the text, Simpson wrote an article entitled, Answers to the Religious Objections Advanced Against the Employment of Anesthesia Agents Being Midwives in Surgery. And he ended his paper saying, We may rest fully assured that whatever is true on point of fact of human and merciful in the point of practice, will find no condemnation in the Word of God. And medicine went to a new level. How many have ever heard of subways? In 1769, a brilliant young man who was fleeing from the revolution was put in London in a prison. He didn't stay there very long. He engineered skills, skills became legendary. He planned the first tunnel under the Thames, the tunnel still in service, and his underground digging machine made London's first subway possible. But during its construction, he was hounded by the church who said, you are flirting with the underworld. You're digging a hole in the ground. You're flirting with the underworld. Okay, let's go a little nearer here. Radio. When the pioneers of radio evangelism started using the airways to proclaim the gospel, they labored against the loud criticism of the church. Clarence Jones, co-founder of the missionary station, faced these questions. Will God prosper this fad since it operates in the realm of Satan, the air? Don't the Scriptures portray that devil is the prince of the power of the air? Yeah, and that's why we got to go in the airways to tear the devil down. People will always be against change when it goes against customs, traditions. But how about getting on the rail of the Holy Spirit who is as the wind, that it cannot be seen, but its results are magnified. How about say, Lord, I come to this church, and it may not do things like the way I grew up or the last church I came from, but, Lord, there is a presence in the atmosphere. There is something going on. And I may not understand it. I may have never done it that way. But I do know one thing, Lord. I know that there is something happening in the lives of people. And, Lord, though it's not the way I've done it, I am willing to change. Amen. Amen? Listen to this. What we want is progressive if we can have it without change. Isn't that true? Someone else said, hey, if the horse is dead, for goodness sake, get off of it. (laughs) Come on, get up. We can only change the world by changing men, but do we want to change? And let me finish with these last few points. Number one, if you really want to change, get ready to have your comfort zone challenged. God told Abraham, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your city. I want you to leave your hometown. I want you to leave your security. And I want you to go somewhere. I'm not telling you where. I just want you to start walking and I'll guide you along the way. You read about these great men and women of God, Moses and so many others. They were taken out of their comfort zones, but they inherited the inheritance of the Spirit. It'll take you out of your comfort zone. Change always will. Being safe and comfortable. Ask Mary and Joseph. If the spirit won't take you out of your comfort zone. Number two. Not only. Number one. Change. Change. Get you out of your comfort zone. Change will attack the religious spirit. A spirit of religion will always manifest when there's change going on. You know what? With the natural mind, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to do that, that. You know what? It didn't make sense for my wife at 17 and 19 years old to get married and two months later move to the mission field. It didn't make sense, but it worked. When the Spirit's leading, He'll take you out of your comfort zone, lead you into things that won't make sense. Speaking in tongues don't make sense. Anointing with oil and laying hands on the sick don't make sense, but it worketh. It may not make sense for a lot of things that you hear or you believe, but when you seek the Scriptures of God, it says, when I look at the Word of God, I am changed and transformed into the image of the One that I behold. I'm not changed when I keep looking where I came from and what I believed. but what is the Spirit of God saying today? Amen. So spirit of religion will always be manifested. It says, you can read about Samuel. So many times we're just like Samuel. The Lord finally told Samuel because he was grieving over Saul. The old way. How long will you grieve over Saul? My spirit's departed from him. He's not to be king anymore. I've raised up another with my heart and that's not good enough for you. Stop grieving over what I've left behind and start getting excited about what you don't even see. There's going to be all kind of changes. This church won't even look the same in four years. The facilities won't even look the same. In two years, things are going to be totally different. This year, things are going to look different and all kind of different type of stuff. But it's all promotion and going forward with the vision that God has put in our heart. Well, that's not typical for around here. Well, we're from above and not beneath. And as we're seeking God and we're praying, I want what the Spirit of God wants. And yeah, some won't want the changes we have seen. They'll be fussing to God about my haircut. They'll be fussing that maybe I'm not wearing a tie all the time. There could be a lot of things going on. But those, the Spirit does not depend upon what we look like or do. The Spirit depends on we're willing to say, "Yes, Holy Spirit, I'll do that. I'll change." Amen. When David said, created me a clean heart and he, renew a right spirit, he says, change. It's after the maker's design. It's a Genesis moment. What is not, it shall be. How I many you know, even though it may seem like things are failing, listen, nothing that you've done ever takes God by surprise. God made Abraham. Abraham messed up. He raised up Noah. Noah messed up. He raised up Abraham. Abraham wasn't exactly perfect. Then he had David. And he says, but there's one coming after David. David's seed that shall cause the right way to be formed. And that was Jesus who came. And when we're in Him, everything works out to its good. Now listen, number three. The Holy Spirit, for changes, the Holy Spirit will lead you into new strategies. The Holy Spirit will lead you into new strategies. You know what a new strategy may be? For some of you, it may be fasting. You might have never fasted. For some of you, might be praying more, listening to worship. For some of you, might be start giving your tithe or, or giving an offering or, or missions. But it's about time to hear what the Spirit is saying specifically about you, because you are the work of His hands, not the work of your hands. You're not the work of my hands. You're the work of the hands of the Master Potter, who's molding you, making you in His will. And so every season will have its change. Number four, you can't walk any lang- longer with just the natural mind and common sense. We've got to come to the point where we're focused and having our mind renewed by the Word of God. We may be facing or hearing things that may not make sense, but when it's the Holy Spirit, it will have confirmation. There's a big tiger in Africa that can jump 13 feet in the air, but it doesn't jump a three-foot fence because it can't see where it's going to land on the other side, so it stays in captivity. Sometimes we've got to jump out. Buying this property was $300,000, but we paid cash. We jumped out. Building this building was hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, but we jumped out. Building the youth facility and, and, and the fellowship hall was a, a, a jump of faith. Everything we do has been a jump of faith. And we may not see exactly where our feet's going to land, but we know that when the Spirit says to do something, He's going to back it up and it's going to be done. Amen. Yeah. But you got to be willing to change. And number five, when we're willing to change, we will see more supernatural activity with change. Things will blow our mind, but that's what life in the spirit's about. Wow! Look at God. Wow! Look what God's doing. How you, God changed my marriage. God saved my marriage. God saved my business. Well, how did he? What did you do? What points did you do? I just let God be God. I was praying, Lord, prosper my business, and He says, "Forgive the business next door." I said, Lord, I want you to heal, change, heal my wife. Forgive the mother-in-law. Lord, I want
1: you to do this. Lord, I want that. I need this. I need that.
0: And the Spirit is speaking in a still, small voice. I want you to forgive. I want you to love. I want you to bring Him a present. I, I want you to speak blessings over Him every, every, every day. Listen to the Spirit and change will come. Josh McDowell said, "If you if if you always do what you've done, you'll always be what you've always been." Second Corinthians five seventeen, and I'll end with this: Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and the new life has begun. Let's close our eyes, please. Father, as we come before you today, and Lord, as we know that it's about change, it's spring. Lord, we don't want to be the same as we were at the beginning of the year or even last year. We don't want to base tomorrow on yesterday. We want to base it upon Your Spirit and Your Word what You're doing now. And I pray for every family, every business, every person here. That as we go from change to change, and thank You that, Lord, when we quit changing, one man said we die. But thank You that we are willing to change. We are willing to pray and to seek about the changes and where You want us to go and what You want us to do. Lord, we may hear things in the Spirit. We may hear things in the Word. We may hear preaching and singing that we're not accustomed to. But Lord, we don't want to criticize and jump to the conclusion that that's not You. Lord, confirm what is of You. Because we want what is of You, Father. Lord, we want to be a church it's on the cutting edge. We don't want, we're not even here to resemble any other church. We're not here. We're not called to be a copy of anything else. Except what you've called Word of Grace to be. Lord, we're going to be original. We're going to be the church. The working of your hands. We're going to be a people who walk in the spirit. And are not looking for the comfort zone. But are willing to go into the unknown. To see the supernatural power that you, will, you possess and you manifest. Lord, I pray that you bless your people today, and give us the challenge to be willing to change. They will not be written of us in this church age of the 2008 that this country died because the church did not want to change. And while the world is speaking change and hope, we've got to reveal that change and hope is in the church. So Lord, we surrender. Holy Spirit, you are the Lord of this church. You are the Lord of our lives. And we surrender to You in Jesus' name. I ask the prayer partners that they would come up, please.